Dippin' on some scissors. Dip, dippin' on some dip, dippin' on some scissors. Yeah. Dippin' on some dip, dippin' on some scissors. Yeah. Dippin' on some dip, dippin' on some scissors. That would be great. It's always soccer in Philadelphia in 2020, and we're ringing in the new year the only way that we know how, with the 3-6 Mafia and Lumberg from Office Space. What's up, y'all? It's Kevin from Crossing Broad. Got a special guest live in the studio tonight with us. Everybody give it up for John Zapata. You know him as El Parcero Philly. What's up, man? Kev, what is going on? It is finally awesome that we finally get to do this. This is one of the podcasts I have been waiting to get on. For sure, man. No, I, um, so we met actually at the, uh, we did, um, the Brotherly Game guys put together a, shout out uh, to Brotherly Game. Yeah, Matt Ralph put together like a, uh, podcast, um, like round table with the Doopy Brothers guys and some of the Brotherly Game guys at So Five a couple weeks ago. And then we did the, um, we played like a pickup game. Um, for like an hour afterwards, I think I got blasted in the face like two minutes into it. But we all did good. We all we, held our own. We found out that I was a former football player because of my heavy feet. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, though, man. You're you're holding it down up there. You knew what you were doing up top. Yeah, it's like tough in those. Uh, yeah, when you're playing like five v five, and nobody's played for a while, and we're all like gassed after ten minutes. We know? also did find out that the Doopy Brothers are actually uh, some ballers. Yeah, they can play. They can <laughs> definitely play. I think I got a. Uh, I think I got a like a, a Il Cino Elastico used against me or some, <laughs> something like that. But uh, they can definitely play. But it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Oh, so much fun. And we were just like talking um, as Baxter tries to get his way in here. Um, <laughs> and we were talking. I was like, Yeah, I should get you on sometime. You should you should come on the podcast or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, I was taking a break at the time because we always kind of take like a two months or whatever, and then we kind of schedule too, Kev. Yeah, yeah. I was in like the middle of Sixers and. Um, Eagles and all that stuff. As I have my Sixers gear on. Yeah, yeah. They play the Rockets actually in like an hour. So uh, it's gonna be a good one. Yeah, we'll see if there's any accountability. (laughs) Oh, we're going there, huh? Which which was the buzz (laughs) with the buzzword yesterday. I think I wrote the I think I wrote the word accountability forty times in uh, on Crossing Broad yesterday, but it was all good. Um, But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the Philadelphia Union. Yes, sir. uh, Who are coming off their first playoff win in franchise history? Where do they go from here? They made a signing. They made a signing for the second straight year before Christmas, which is a big, which is a big deal because it's nice to see that like uh, they take it. Um, yeah, you know, like it, it shows that like they're taking it seriously. They're like, hey, we want to win, we want to go out and get good players. We're going to go out and do it now. You know, we've had our eye on this guy, and we're going to go do it. It's like long gone are the days where you were like sit, sitting here un- until like January, January like fourteenth or fifteenth. Like, wait, who's, who's the hell's Bork Dochka? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who is this guy? Like, there's no rumors. There's nothing like that coming out. Um, but they went and signed Jose Andres Martinez. Um, yeah, a, um, a midfielder um, from Venezuela, 26 years old, um, can play, I guess we think, central midfield or defensive midfield. Not really sure where they're going to use him here. Mm-hmm. Um, El Brujo uh, is his nickname, the Wizard. Um, now, I was told that, the, that Brujo also could translate to Sorcerer. Uh, is that is that correct, or do well, I have my turn? Uh, well, well, first off, um, you know, as you guys know, if you guys have been paying attention to my stuff, um, I actually was lucky enough to interview a Venezuelan YouTuber who actually covers Jose Andres's former club, Zula FC. Now, um, from what um, Jupiter Ruiz, that's his name, the YouTuber, what he told me, Warlo- uh, I'm sorry, the Brujo, that term could be t- uh, translated into the Warlock. Oh, I that's, like that one too. Yeah, 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 that's what I got from him. But um, if you guys haven't checked it out, definitely recommend checking it out. It is in Spanish. But really, um, first off, thank you to Jupiter Ruiz for allowing me to interview with him because, you know, as you know, Kev, finding information on Venezuelan uh, soccer in general is not, not easy. Not very easy. There's yeah, not yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah. So being able to go directly to the source was so beneficial, not only uh, for me, but of course for all of us Union fans who just want to know a little bit about him. Um, but what I can gather from Jose Andres Martinez, I, I really, just from talking to Juper, this is a perfect fit for this team. Like he, from what it looks like, he's going to be a six. Um, in Zula, they actually played in a four-two-three-one. Okay, I know Union fans don't want to hear that. But uh, it's a, yeah, it's kind of like a. Well, I mean, after even last year, it's not as uh, taboo as, yeah. it, as it used to be. You know, they did switch it up. They would switch year. into it, yeah, and they would play it. Yeah, yeah but what? Um, he's a type of guy. Um, he he's not scared to get down and dirty. He will win balls down in in, this, in our uh, back line, and he can carry the ball up and he can create on his own. 
He actually has a nice long ball, um, long ball as well. I know a lot of us were worried once Harris left. We were able to find that, you know, that six that had the passing ability of that Harris. Did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His was, distribution. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was so crucial in that. And um, what Juper told me that the best comparison uh, for Jose Andres is a, a a young Thomas Rincon, who you know. If oh, you guys, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, if you guys yeah. are big on Serie A, you know he's a, been a consistent midfielder over there in Serie A, um, and he kind of plays similarly good on the long ball, and he's very physical as a defensive midfielder. So. I'm really excited. And one one crazy thing, too, one side note there, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. So the club, Zula FC, actually also produced Jefferson Saverino mm-hmm. over in Real Salt Lake. Oh, and cool, also, cool, cool. Um, Junior Moreno. In Junior East Moreno. Yeah, so yeah, he's yeah. coming from a club that already has pedigree building solid MLS players. There's a little more of, uh, yeah, I mean, because back, back maybe five, ten years ago, you didn't hear as much about Venezuelan guys no. coming from, uh, coming straight to MLS. Um, you know, even, even, you know, Fernando Aristigueta, who was here for, you know, one year, Scored a couple goals, had an injury. He was 22 at the time. Didn't really, um, you know, wasn't really. Uh, you know, he had a ways to go. I guess it's a bad time for the club too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. And you saw some flashes out of him, and now he's playing really well in uh, Liga MX. You oh yeah. Know? So he actually um, played in my Colombian club, America de Cali, and tore it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you know, other Venezuelan guys. You know, uh, Salomon Rondon. Um, you know, there is, there are examples. Um, all over the place of people, you know, from Venezuela. So you know, playing, is the Joseph best Martinez playing, right playing at a high level. Yeah, so... Uh, I really think the reason why it works with Venezuelan players is um, right now, and I don't, I don't want to get into economics, but right now no, a, Venezuela is going through a rough time as far as economically-wise. And those players come from, you know, poverty-stricken backgrounds. But those guys are hungry. And that's really what you're going to see from Jose Andres Martinez. And you've seen that a lot with the other Venezuelan players is that hunger. That's really what the difference is. That's a good point, opinion. yeah. And Joseph, Joseph Martinez, too, has, has spoken kind of openly about, like, how he loves living in Atlanta and how, like, he, like, he feels like he's at home there, too. He's you know the, what I mean? He's the most popular athlete in and you look crazy. At, yeah, and you look at guys, like, um, even from other spots in South America, like uh, Diego Valeri comes up to yep. Portland and he's, like, uh, you know, makes a name for himself out there loves living up there Diego Chara's brother uh, signing with Portland he's going to come up there and play with them so it's cool to establish like that pipeline have those guys coming up so um so where does this leave the Philadelphia Union midfield so Harris Madunian is gone Marco Fabian is gone um Jose Andres Martinez is in uh Alejandro Bedoy is still here Brendan Aronson is still here. So I wrote um, in Crossing Broad, like my one union story I do a month over there, because if I do more than one, like the the troll commenters get angry, you know. <laughs> um, but but I, 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 I seem to kind of think that like, you know, because we've done this rat race in the last couple of years where it's like, we got to find a number 10. we got to find a number 10. Yeah. You know, we got to like find the out. superstar. We had Doge Call. He was here for a year and left. And we had Fabian, and then he was here for a year and he left. So I think the... Th- thinking in, in their part and at least like this is what I how I kind of see it too is it's like it's almost like well you know you like Aronson you played him a lot at the 10 last year at the tip of the diamond like it seems to me like they feel like they're just gonna go with that you know and let him kind of be the guy and you know put the right pieces around him I, I think they're gonna look you know assuming they do that they're gonna look a lot better defensively you know with Harris not in there but it, it does kind of make me wonder a little bit uh, if they have some of the possession and some of the passing and some of the oomph that they did last year and the year before, because ha- Harris is just a guy who's it, it's it's a hard skill set to replace, you know. Like you don't find guys like no. that on trees, you know. So um, that's a nice long ball. No, one one thing, Kev, I will say uh, the way the season ended, uh, the Atlanta game. One obviously, like that was a quick turnaround. I think we had like three days. And we had to play Atlanta after yeah. playing our most emotional game ever. In yeah, playing extra time. Everybody's like legs are falling off, you know. But one, yeah, but one thing specifically I realized is the battle, the midfield, I felt as if like we kind of lost that. And it's not because of talent-wise, mm-hmm, but that's mm-hmm. a lot to ask for a union team to bounce back in three days and then play against yeah. a fast-paced Atlanta United team. So I think the start this – I think this winter the – the focal point was how can we make this a vaunted midfield here? Because I think with the high press that Ernst Tanner wants to implement with yeah. this team, you you got to play that. You got to play that defense there. So I think the Brujo is the first start. I personally think you need to find a ten. I think that you still need depth, and you need to find that replacement for Marco Fabian. That's just mm-hmm. me. But so if you so if I get let me give you this scenario then, like if I told you that. Uh... Let's just theoretically say, like, let's yeah. put Aaron sit on the left, 
let's have Brujo play the six. You're going to put Alejandro Bedoya on the right. Uh-huh. Um, if you went out and got a, like a number 10, signed the number 10, do you think that would be a, a solid midfield? Do you think we'd be, be better or any any worse than what they had last year? I mean, I think I think we we would be a little bit, a little bit better because we have to remember that Marco Fabian missed a lot of time, suspensions, injuries. So we really didn't see the full potential, what potential Marco Fabian could be. Or, you know, Marco honestly could be at the end of his career as well. I heard he's like looking at China now. So oh, I, yeah. I think that personally, me, if you ask me, I would love to see like a Miguel Almiron type, you know, the type of 10 yeah. who can be great on the press, who's, who's he's got some great pace as well. It can also create for other people that someone like that. I would go to Argentina. I would, I was looking at different guys from the different lower level clubs, but that's like the type that's where, like, that's the direction I want the union to go. Just get, like that young, talented South American player who you can flip for. Yeah, that hung, hungry guy who wants yeah. to come here and play and wants the lifestyle and whatnot too. Yeah, it's interesting because you know, well, the last two sporting directors were both European guys. So, I mean, Ernie has half, you know, half of American. Uh, but Atlanta United's know. guy is, was part of Tottenham. He's a Euro guy too, and he's yeah. still going out in South America. No, I know, and I feel like you, can, you know, you, that's not that's something you can't ignore, you know, in MLS and and even like the Concacaf countries. Like you have to like you you want the best oh, Car- yeah. you want the best Caribbean guys playing in MLS, no doubt. But yeah, it's interesting because Ernst, you know, being a German guy, Ernie being Dutch, half half Dutch, half American. Like you know, they bring in guys like Dutchkal and Wagner. That's all good, but it was nice to see them go out and get Sergio Santos last year. You know, it's nice to see them get Jose Martinez this year. So, uh, because if you look, you know, through the the last ten years of MLS, I mean, you've you've been able to produce the guys like the Diego Charas of the world and mm-hmm. the and the um, you know D- Diego Valeri's and Joseph Martinez and Miguel Amaron, as you just said. I mean, like it's almost like, I, you know, I think you're you're doing yourself like a disservice if you don't if you don't look in. Central South America, especially yeah. when you have an owner like Jay Sugarman, who we know doesn't want to spend the most money out of those players. So why yeah, would you go to a yeah. market where you can get the biggest bang for your buck? And it's, South America's proven that t- year after year in the MLS that that's that's the biggest bang for your buck. Yeah, well, you feel, yeah, because you feel like you're gonna like if you're gonna do the money ball thing and you're gonna try to like pull diamonds out of the rough and try to try to find those guys. That's where it feels like it comes like for sure. Um, well, while we're on the topic. Let me ask you because this is something you can speak to, and we were we were talking about this a little bit at So Five. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned it on the podcast, so we've talked about this a lot. The idea of like the union going out and like, you know, not just going for those kinds of players, but reaching out to those communities in Philadelphia. And uh, you know, it's funny because we go up to So Five. I used to work there. I used to um, ref there, as mm-hmm. people on the podcast know. I ref there for like five months uh, before I went to Crossing Broad, and I was refing Brazilian guys. I was refing dudes from from Georgia. Not like, uh, you know, not like uh, not Clark same. Clarkston, yeah, not not Decatur, <laughs> but like the actual country of Georgia. Guys from yeah. Ukraine and Russia and stuff like that. I'm sitting here thinking, like, man, this is like a like a, a gold mine for anybody who is not like, you know, white 25 year old white kid from the suburbs. You know, like if they wanted to target a different demographic, I mean, here's a place to go. Um, so I mean, yeah. It, what, what, so what was your take on like Marco Fabiano, like the, um, you know, the 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 Mexican and the Latino supporter in in Philadelphia? Like, do you, do you think his signing, even though he it didn't really work out on the field, do you feel like there was any movement in terms of uh, of, of a different demographic being interested in the union? I mean, honestly, uh, to that, I think we'll find out this year because it's one thing when he's here, right? But what's going to happen once he's gone? You know, and I've mm-hmm. talked to, you know, every time I, I would see a Mexican with his Mexican jersey on, whether it be the national team or Club America or Chivas, I would go up and I would actually go up and talk to him. Yeah. And I'd be like, listen, thank you for coming out. You know, why'd you come out? And most of the time it was because of Marco Fabian. Yeah, yeah. And that's a great start for the union. We talked about it at that podcast was that was a sign that needed to happen for the Philadelphia Union. Mm-hmm. You know, you had mm-hmm. 10 years of irrelevancy in this city and in the league, quite frankly. And you never had that superstar, that DP. And that was the type of that's the guy you need. You needed to get and you got him. Now, it, it, everyone asks me this question, like, how can we get more Latinos out there? And it's honestly, Kevin, it's the same reason why we don't get actual Philadelphians to come out there. It's tough to sell to, you know, uh, my my friend Jorge, who loves America, to come out to the union mm-hmm. if they're not good or if the team is not really, you know, catering to his culture. Mm-hmm. I will mm-hmm. say that, you know, just talking to the people up in the front office of the union, they, they really did try their best this year. And I, it was a great first step. But we got to now you got to build upon that. You, and you, I think the best way to do it is to continue what you did last year. You know, um, Hispanic Heritage Month, they did a good job. You know, trying yeah, to, they did do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spanish yeah. players, Latinos, but also going to going to North Philly, going to Diamond City, yeah, go to Northeast. Take Coast. a drive up Cotman Avenue, yeah, man. Go, go up into Hunting, Hunting Park. Yeah, 
how, how well did that um, Philly Unite sticker for the Sixers playoff two years ago? How well did that go around the city? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they went into different neighborhoods yeah. and they were they were painting the the logo. They but were asking every, business owners if they wanted the logo. Every up there, business yeah. had the sticker in front of their business. That yeah. That's something we need to do too. You still got to do the legwork. I mean, it all comes it all comes down to yeah. You do have to reach out to those people. It's interesting because I've I've made the argument uh, probably last year on the podcast that it was like, um, it kind of has to be reciprocal in a way. Like people have to want to be approached too, because like you can go in all these neighborhoods, but if the guy is like just super into like uh, Tigres and that's his team and whatever, it's fine. You know, I mean, there's got to be a willingness also to want to like the union and to want to have to come down the yeah. chest. So like it is kind of a two way street, but that, that street that it's not going to be broached by that person. Like the union are going to have to kind of, it's like if you're like uh, interested in this chick and you're like in seventh <laughs> grade and you're at the dance or something, like she ain't coming up to you and asking for the first dance, no. you know, like you, you, they, they have to be proactive in that regard and go out and like target those guys. Like so far, I'll use so five again as a point, like, that's the most like diverse play. I've played everywhere in this city. I played like every pickup game in this city, every facility in this in the city in this region. So five has more diversity than any place I've ever yeah, been, I saw that. and uh, I've never seen any union anything there. It, like, I, I've never seen any union signs. I've never seen a player, an event, or anything no, there. No, not know? at all. I will give you a good example here. Uh, as many of you guys know, I am part of Barcelona United, which is based out of Atlanta, and you see how they sell out every game. And majority, there's. There's a whole supporters uh, group that is Latino, La Dose, and yet Atlanta United doesn't even do anything to try to cater to the Latino fans, but yet yeah. they sell every game. So my point is, you know, winning is half the battle, and the union are, are going on the right direction. Yeah. Last year was yeah. definitely a great building block, but now you got to continue winning. You're not, not only going to see Latinos, but you're going to see the West African people out in West Philly. You'll see yeah. the Asians. You'll see uh, every culture out there. So, you know, winning will cure all. But you and know, is, you yeah. just got to keep doing what they're doing. No, yeah, and you're right. And this is this is not just a uh, a targeting specific demographics yeah. problem. It's hard enough to get whitey out there, you know, <laughs> because like you know, as we've said a million times before, like you know, the 35 year old dude yeah. with the Arsenal shirt says, like, "Well, MLS is yeah. shit. Why do I want to come out?" So it's 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 it's. First, you got to help yourself That's by what it is, Kevin. signing good players and winning, and then that'll make you attractive in general. And then maybe you can make that approach and say, "Hey, we're actually pretty good. Like we're winning games. Yeah. We got this guy from Mexico. You know, maybe then that starts to get people on board." But it's like a, it's like a one A and one B kind of thing. As Baxter lets himself back into the studio for the second time. <laughs> hey, this is his thing now because I closed the door because I want to wake, wants the, wake the baby up and he wants to keep coming in and out. He, <laughs> he wants his input. No, but Kev, like you see me, like I'm a proud Colombian and you know, I'd never, I, I let you guys know how proud I am about being Colombian but at the end of the day, for me, it's simple. The Union are my favorite team out of the whole world because I love Philadelphia and that's what it comes down to. Like, this is Philadelphia, and this is soccer. Forget the forget the fact that it's in Chester. Yeah, yeah, forget yeah. the fact that it's in MLS. It's still a good league and it's a beautiful stadium. Yeah, Come yeah, it's now, still guys. the. Come I know after now. sitting, after spending half of my winter sitting in the the bowels of the Wells Fargo Center, <laughs> it makes you appreciate what you had at oh, that talent yeah. for sure. Um, so let's just go through. Let's do. Let's do a. Uh, how, what order do I want to do this in? I got a bunch of notes written down here, but I was just going to blast through them real quick. Let's just, let's just kind of like go through where we are at the roster right now. Yeah, let's do it. So you got let's start from front to back. You got Shabilko back. You got Corey Burke coming back. You have Sergio Santos up there. You got Andrew Vooten coming back. Um, striker position looks kind of. We have I mean, one of the I, best Polish strikers. Is that was that what the case was? Did well, that was that cool thing? because yeah, because Kasper got like an honor from like I don't know if it was like a Polish website or a magazine or something like that, but he was named as like in part of their top That's eleven so cool. for the year. Yeah, and it's it's nice when he's being named next to when you look on that thing and you see the Philadelphia Union logo, and then you see Juventus, you see Napoli, you see like Locomotive Moscow. Yeah, I mean like all these it's big crazy. big teams, you know. And then you got the friggin' snake right there. It's like middle, what so. is Philadelphia? What is Philadelphia? <laughs> yeah, you got like people in Warsaw looking at this thing. What where is this again? But. uh <laughs> No, I, 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 I got to be honest. Like, I, I feel like a lot of those guys are all good, but I, I don't. I'm not exactly sure what the plan is up top because, uh, you know, I think everybody would say that Shabilko's got to be on the field, of course. But then Vooten, you paid five hundred thousand dollars last year. Don't know what we have. Really. You don't know what you have in him. You tried playing him with Shabilko together mm -hmm. last year, but they were kind of redundant because they were both kind of bigger target guys. Yep. It didn't really work out. Sergio Santos came on pretty good at the end of the year. So is one of him or Vooten sitting on the bench? And then Fitness what do you, you concern for me with Sergio? With Sergio, yeah, and he's got a year to adapt and assimilate, and then. Corey Burke is coming back. So is he going to sit on the bench? I mean, it seems – I mean, they've got four good strikers, I think. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Is, is it weird for me to say that it looks like there's like a log jam kind of out there? I mean, I, I've said this too. I mean, Casper has to start. And you saw how different we were 
when Casper was out. If Casper was in that Red Bull game, I think that would have been a little easier. And if Casper was in the Atlanta game, maybe it would have been a little closer. We don't know. But Casper definitely has to play. Um, we don't know what we have in the other three, in my opinion, because Sergio, even though he ended the season strong, let's not forget the first half of the season, there was fitness issues with him and Vooten. We don't know what we have. I've said that I would absolutely see if you can find a cheap option, someone who's got potential, um, go in Central America, you know, see what you find there. But that's really what I would do as far as the uh, striker position, because with all those question marks, why not just go out there and spend, you know, a couple hundred thousand for... One guy who can you don't probably be a gem for. Yeah, you. yeah, it does. It does make me wonder a little. I mean, I, I think they got a ton of talent there. I'm just not exactly yeah. sh- totally sure what the strategy is here. Um, I wanted to touch on too a couple of these rumors that have kind of died down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frederick Ulvestad, they were linked to. They made a bid for him. He was the Jurgard. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Jurgardens, the Swedish team, who's playing for them. Apparently, he wanted to stay there. I got into a um, an exchange with some Swedish guy that I don't know on Twitter, and we were having fun going back and forth. But he basically. Explained that this guy wanted to stay okay. uh, in Sweden because he could play Champions League next year. They they finished first in the in the in the Swedish league. So Frederick, did Ulvestan, you tell him about Carlos Coronel? So <laughs> <laughs> come to come to Philadelphia, you find a way into the real Champions League. You know? um, so I, I that kind of cooled down. This other guy, this Czech guy, this twenty two year old guy, uh, Jan Vod Hanel, or however the hell you say it. I got to brush up on my Czech. Um, I don't think that's happening either. But it's interesting to me that they were kind of linked. Before Brujo, too, they were linked to two guys who were kind of like two-way, like you know, number eight kind of box-to-box kind of dudes that would that would kind of su- suggest to me that they were more like shuttler kind of guys who would replace Montero. But then a, a Jameer Montero rumor popped up on Twitter the other day that said that they were still in- interested in him. But um, you know, again, that goes to his club team and him. Like he nice, has yeah. he has to want to be here, and uh, it might not if he doesn't want to be here. It might not be like an anti-Philadelphia thing. It could just be like, hey, I want, I want to. I'm still young. I want to try to hack it in Europe. And the thing is too with Jamiro, like seeing him throughout the year, I don't know what does he have emotions. Like I remember I said <laughs> I said hi to him. Did they interview him and all? I forget, I rarely it. see any any quotes from him. And I remember um, during the playoff rally, my man Sean Brace, who was hosting it, he was trying to get words out of Jamiro, and he was just like so shy. Yeah. But he's he he's loud on the on the pitch, and I like listen if it's at the right price, I will bring Jamiro back. But I've told you like I don't. I mean, I don't know if I want to pay upwards of three million. Like, no, that's no. something I'd have to like. Be, that'd be a tough pill to swallow. Well, because that's the thing. Because you, the dynamic is you pay you paid him seven hundred k last year. Yeah, you know, and of course, you know he's going to want more money. You're going to have to and he you know, give it. him more money. You're going to have to give his club team more money. So I, I would just hate for them to be in a situation where they had to kind of break the bank to bring him back. Where it's like you lose Medunian in and Marco Fabian, and then you could accumulate this allocation money, Tam and Gam and stuff like that. But then you have to blow a bunch of your war chests on a guy who was here last year for cheaper. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that that's how the dynamic of, of loans work out and that's how the transfer market works out and these fees that you have to pay and stuff like that. But still, I think like when you, when you talk about the Philadelphia union having limited resources as it is, you know, it's like, can you really justify using what little you have to, to overpay for a guy that you had last year cheaper? You know, I mean, I think Jameer is worth all the money in the world. I think he's absolutely worth a million dollars or 1.5 or 2 million or making him a DP. But again, it's just kind of, it's it's funky to me from an optics standpoint because you had him here really cheap last year and he yeah. played great on on a cheaper salary. But like, are you, are you yeah. getting, are you getting more, uh, you know, it's, it's not like, um, you know, Tobias Harris at age 22 versus Tobias Harris at age 27. You know what I mean? It's That's like you're ba- basically probably getting the same player back. But you got to pay all this extra money for him. So, like, you know what I'm saying there from, like, an optics yeah. standpoint, it just, like, looks kind of weird to me. But, you know, he fits the mold of what, what I want our midfield to be, like, like fast, tenacious midfield, wins the ball, wins that battle in the midfield. So, I mean, I, I like, yeah, I would I would like him back, but we, we got to see these numbers. Um, so the back line then, as it stands right now, Kai Wagner, Mark McKenzie, Jack Elliott, Ray Gaddis, no changes there. Uh, Austin Trusty's out, traded to Colorado. He was not happy about it. I'm not exactly sure uh, why he wasn't happy. If I was still on the beat, I would try to chase that story. But I think he basically wanted like a new contract or some kind of guarantees that he was going to like have his role back or kind of be the guy. And for whatever reason, they had like a falling out there. Um, it's a weird situation. It's a weird situation. I'll tell you this. I... I, I one of the things that the Philadelphia Union needed to do from a 
from the academy standpoint or for the the uh, the greater health of the franchise standpoint or to kind of like I don't know how the hell to explain it to, like, to, to clear the next hurdle oh. for them as a franchise was to produce a player take him through the academy play for Bethlehem Steel make it to the senior team and then sell him and make a profit off of it because that's what the best clubs and the biggest clubs in the world do and that's how you make money and that's just part of international soccer and how it works out you know arsenal and chelsea do it milan does it juventus does it you know Shakhtar donetsk does it um and it would have been a symbolic thing for them to like bring 10 year old austin trustee from media pennsylvania into the academy to steal to the union sell them to europe and make a make a profit off of it i i, I it does change a little bit to me because they traded him to colorado for less money for like mls yeah. funny money but i mean still t- technically they did kind of do that you know they brought up a guy and then they turned they flipped him into an asset i mean if you wanted to like look at it that way you know what i mean mean, really how much are you going to get for a center back like not not a lot center back no no who doesn't who doesn't have like an internet who doesn't have like international caps or like i wasn't playing with the senior national team or stuff like that now mark Uh, mckenzie though kev i see some of him and i saw he's a real deal I saw a guy last year who started off hurt, right? He was he wasn't playing, and then he lost his job, and then eventually he won it back. He won Jim's trust back. He looked really good doing it too. Um, I, I I think that that might be the guy if we're talking about selling one of our our youngsters along with Aronson. Well, let's ask that question because I get that question. I feel like every other podcast, like if you took the the homegrown guys, the young guys on this team right now, who do you think would would garner the most interest overseas? Would it be Aronson, McKenzie? Anthony Fontana. Can I say Aronson's brother? <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Aronson's brother. He's supposed to be like I keep hearing like, like the he's wizard. A, yeah, I, I, want, I really want to see what he's got now. But you the, know, the sorcerer. If we yeah. if we already have the uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the warlock, yeah, the warlock and the wizard. <laughs> no, nah, but I mean honestly, I, I if I had to pick right now, I'd have to pick pick Brandon just because of his age and the position he plays. It's it's a it's a very sought out position around yeah. the world. Like it's not easy to find tens. So if I had to pick, I'd pick Brandon. You know, and we'll see what we get this year. In the Red Bull game, he really showed me that he was maturing. Like he was actually physical. Yeah, yeah, like that, you and saw that's all that. That's like the biggest thing for him because he's just gonna have to like put on like like ten, fifteen pounds. That's just how so team stopped him. Just so he's not getting knocked off the ball. And like you know, like a kid like that who's new to the league, who's not a big superstar, is not gonna get not gonna get whistles anyways. Yeah. So it's not like it's a lot of time like climbing all over Austin <laughs> Trusty and then me arguing with some dude in L.A. like who was claiming that that wasn't a foul. But um, by the way, if any of our listeners um, played Dungeons and Dragons growing up or any like fantasy games i feel like i should know this but um send me a dm and let me know what the difference is between a wizard and a sorcerer because I, I, they sound like they're the same same exact or a warlock they sound like they're all the same thing to me um goalkeeper andre blake i mean they're fine as long as he like doesn't I don't, whatever the hell that yeah. was at the end of the year i don't know yeah. he was just having trouble it was, it's a little disappointing i really thought that last year was gonna be the year that you know he would break out we would sell him to to a championship team and damn i really yeah, I feel like that ship has sailed, unfortunately, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, if he's a union, if he's a union lifer, I'm not gonna be mad at that. All right, so we're about almost 30 minutes in here. I want to get through a bunch of these other bullet points because I have some seg- like uh, regular segments I want to do. So I'm just gonna kind of fire through these here, and I'll offer a take, and then if you want to offer a take, we'll do that. All right. All right. So, um, what, did you make anything of the quotes that Ernst said that or that uh, Madunian said about Ernst after he left? Um, that he didn't talk to him, that Ernst didn't talk to him, or that he didn't feel like that he felt like the sporting director should talk to one of the veteran players on the team. I thought it was kind of disappointing to hear that um, that he, Harris that they didn't really tell right. Harris what the hell they were doing with him. You know, right? I mean, but that seems to be like the trend. Like Fafa also had concerns as well. Um, yeah. Austin, we just talked about had concerns as well. But you know, you know, he, at the end of the day, like you know, not to be, I really don't want to be stereotypical, but he is German, and like a lot of times, you know, the culture there is. <laughs> I was just gonna, I was a little gonna cold. Say that. So yeah. I mean, but yeah, as a player, you want to be an explanation, especially someone like Harris who was doing everything right. He was a leader in the dressing room. You at least, yeah, you at least like, you know, can give can give him that it. much. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get what he's saying. It's yeah, it's funny because I was gonna say the Germans are very. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be stereotypical, but yeah, no, they're very, they're very. I'm, well, it's it's a compliment if you think about it. It's like they're pragmatic. Gotcha. But that that doesn't that that doesn't typically extend to like warm emotional like mm-hmm. out, outreach and doing doing right by. We we both <laughs> have like interacted with Ernst. Like like we know how he is. Like it's yeah, like, he's just very he's very exactly. straightforward. Yeah, he's exactly. not gonna like waste time doing this other stuff. Um, <laughs> well, you mentioned the Pico trade. I mean, I just that makes sense because he's a four. Two, three, one winger. 
they he could only play that for. when when they switched into the formation or the few couple maybe like the handful of times they started in that shape this year. But I think it's just one of those things. Makes sense for him. Makes sense for Dallas. Makes sense for the Union. He can go down there and be like a. Uh, they need a player like him because they have. They, like I love the youth movement that they're doing in Dallas, but like yeah. having a veteran player like Fafa is really going to be huge. Like there's just some stuff. Yeah, they were a really young really team. Can't yeah, that's true. That's really out. true. Um, my God, I can't think of the All Star winger that they had down there in Dallas for forever. Who went to Trabs on Spore? The Columbia. Yeah, I thought it was a, was he Colombian? Jesus Christ, I'm, I'll have to look that up later because I can't remember. He's he'll he'll play like like he did. Um, You're doing good at that. Uh, would you make a Kevin Durant to have having him having him having a meeting with the? He's coming the, to the Sixers. <laughs> <laughs> no, they I don't mean, have any money. They don't have any anywhere to put him on the. Yeah, right. On the court or in the salary cap. It's pretty much no, but no. It's really what we talked about at So Five as well, and it's really trying to make the union part of pop culture, right? Like yeah. the Sixers, the, even the Flyers, like in the city, are really ingrained in the pop culture, and you know, getting someone like Kevin Durant, a well-known NBA superstar. If you could potentially be our owner, and he actually wants to invest in the MLS, he sees the you know the the positives of investing in an MLS team. Like, do it if he wants it. Give him part of it. You know, and I think it's good too that we saw a picture of him down there. Yeah, because that would have if if not for um, I don't know if it was staged. I don't know if the union are smart enough to leak or use leaks to their mm-hmm. advantage. I should sit down with all of them actually and offer them some um, advice on how to do that. <laughs> and just keeping yourself relevant, yeah. and like staying in the in the in a in a crowded marketplace, you know, getting yourself in the headlines. But uh, otherwise, that meeting would have just happened, and we never would have heard about it. Yeah, yeah. But it's good to see that and to say that hey, they're talking to other investors, they're thinking about bringing other people in. And even if Kevin Durant is just a guy who's going to be a small minority owner or something like that, the fact that Jay Sugarman would be interested in bringing other people on board and you know giving people other people a piece of the pie shows that he's at least serious about what he's doing here. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you could look at it negatively and say, well, if, you know, Durant's just another guy who's like going to prop him up and let. Jay cruise along and not spend a lot of money. He'll just spend other people's money instead. But the fact that, you know, it got out there, they, there's a, uh, a picture about it, you know, Kevin Durant's a huge superstar, you know, shows that they're in, the, inviting those kinds of meetings and stuff like that. I think that's only a positive, you know, oh, yeah. um, the Bimbo, we talked about this a little bit at, um, yeah. at so five when we did the podcast, my, my take was kind of like, I'm kind of sick of Bimbo because Bimbo feels very like 2011 to me. And I, I felt like, uh, 10 years later. Nine, you want to evolve. Yeah, I felt like nine years later at this point, I, I just felt like they would they would be on to something different. They would mm-hmm. be on to something bigger or something better. Now, you know, the first, um, as I was explaining then, the, fr- the first, both of the Beambo deals were $12 million. The first one was four years, $12 million, so it was $3 million per. The second one was $12 million, but five years, so it was $2.4 million per, right? Okay. So I just I just don't, I, I think, again, it's like an optics thing, like, and we didn't hear a dollar amount, which is not a good thing, because if it was a good deal, then that would have been leaked, too, or that would have been made public. Um, so hopefully it's at least $2.4 million a year, because if you, if you didn't, if you, you already took a cut, when you re-upped with them the first time. And it's just bad business. It's like if I go to Domino's the first time and I buy a, a pizza on New Year's Eve uh, for $30 at Times Square and Bill de Blasio gets real annoyed by it. And then I go to Domino's and I pay them. I like Domino's. So I want to keep working with them. I say, I'm going to give you $34 the next time. But then with the third time with Domino's, it's either th- I'm not going to pass $34 again. Like you got to yeah. It's just bad it's just bad business if you're going to if you're going to cross that threshold again. So Yeah, uh, my my take was kind of that like the the MLS it's it's tough being, you know, the commissioner of the MLS cuz not only do you have to compete with all the leagues worldwide, but you also got to compete with the the leagues that are ahead of you in the sports markets here. So, yeah. you know, for the union, you need to get something that tracks worldwide because you want to be known worldwide there. And, you know, Bimbo uh, in Colombia, uh it, Bimbo is a well-known bread bakery yeah. every supermarket yeah. bakery you go to you see bimbo so i'm personally not mad at having bimbo but yeah i i would like to see something cool like it'd be cool to see a a, a big international company that's pretty cool to be on our shirts i'm not really yeah. bothered by the word bimbo because I, I know have what it a, means. yeah and i don't have a hang up with the f- american like pejorative because first of all <laughs> i mean let's you be honest bimbo like, on your shirt, man. like bim- even even bimbo as said in, in in american slang is really not that offensive like it's just kind of saying like you're it, that was basically used back in the day to say no you're like a, you're like a, anymore and nobody says it anymore you're like a dumb blonde i mean there's like <laughs> things things that are a lot more offensive to that and like i asked i asked my wife i'm like you are you offended by bimbo and she's like no and she has a jersey and she goes and she'll wear like i have a couple custom yeah. 
jerseys yeah, yeah. that the union gave me that have like Kincaid written on the back of them, but mm. she'll she'll wear them, and it says Bimbo on the front. She's got no problem with it. And I think I think people know what the company is, but still, I mean, if there's like if there's if there's two people out there who who think that it's stupid for like a pejorative reason and they don't buy the and that keeps them from buying the jersey, then it's like, well, you know, it's it's still it's that's that's that still makes it a, a thing. Um, it's not a big thing. But it's still a thing nonetheless, so I think that's the part of it that bothers me. 100%. Um, Aubrey Huff, I just wanted to mention that he's a moron. I just wanted to get that in there because um, he was annoyed. He was calling out – or Bedoya called him out for um, – Oh, yeah. the the Was he catcher for the Giants back then? Yeah, he was like a designated hitter and a um, – and uh, so nobody like a yeah he played really well in those those uh, the one World Series the two World Series but um, did the Phils play play him they played them was in the NLDS NL? I think yeah and he played really oh, well against so I think Game Four Aubrey Huff had a bunch of uh, um, had a bunch yeah of and he called him irrelevant him. right yeah That's I am looking uh, for something on Joe Tanzi's. Um, timeline now and i can't find it yeah. for some reason i was looking for he did a worst of philadelphia union team uh like the, of, of all time like the starting 11 of the worst. yeah and uh peter andrews both these guys have been on the show before he re- he replied with his worst of all time um which did he tag this at the top of his thing oh my god i can't find joe's here i was going to compare him i said we we're going to compare both of them on the on the podcast and just have some fun with it but uh, I did find Peter Andrews' worst Philadelphia Union team of all time, so we can. Is it the three six one formation? No, that's <laughs> what. <laughs> if you can, you, if you you can tell him about it if you want. Ke- uh, Kevin's getting really creative with his tactics here. We were at the the pickup podcast, and he uh, decided to put his uh, Union all time in a three six. Yeah, three uh, three six one formation. If any MLS X are listening out there, Kevin is free to coach any team, especially FC Cincinnati. Well. But the yeah the argument the argument was that like they would never that team would never lose the ball, so <laughs> it, it it was like uh, you don't you don't really you don't really need width if you're gonna do it. By the way, I'm gonna vamp as I look for this graphic. But um, the th- I, I think it's interesting that Harris Madunian ended up staying in. Oh, this is why I couldn't find it because his wasn't a graphic. Um, I think it's interesting that Harris Madunian ended up staying in MLS and he's going to Cincinnati because I'm I'm really really intrigued to see how another team uses him like how they what formation they run with him you know how they protect him do they glue a guy next to him and say you're not going anywhere because this guy doesn't play defense you know and and they're they just signed a new center back too from europe you know and how he plays next to madunian it's really going to give us a really really good idea of how much madunian was responsible for the defensive issues last year versus whether the center backs could have been better you know i think the center backs were good but it's it's just hard for young guys like Austin Trusty and Mark McKenzie, welcome to the professional leagues. The first number six that you're going to play with is like not really a number six. He's just kind of a turnstile of passes, but like it's really, really difficult. I mean, when I, when, when I play, I like heavily rely on a, on a defensive He's midfielder like in front of me to help out. Yeah. Just picks the ball up and yeah. makes the pass. Yeah. It's like a Pirlo. It's like even like yeah, a, like a, like a, like a Rick yeah. May at the end of his career, who was still, who was still playing, playing deep. Okay. So here's Joe Tansy's um, official okay. worst Philadelphia union, uh, team uh Raiz Mboli the goalkeeper yeah, I figured that was going to be the goalkeeper his defenders are Raymond Lee uh Anderson Concichal uh Porfirio Lopez and Giliano Wijnaldum that's three left backs in there uh, and then in midfield he has Corbin Bone Kai Herdling and Matt Castle uh forward he has Jay Simpson Brian Brown and Aaron Wheeler uh that is P- a terrible starting line. Peter Andrews responded with his uh, and then his is up top. It's a four four two. It's uh, he's also well. He's also got Raiz and Bowley. His defense is also Raymond Lee Anderson. Um, he has Aaron Wheeler playing defense. Oh, and and Joe has Wheeler playing offense. Is that the? Yeah, oh my God. So, but, that, but, that tells the story. So right so there, the wait, so the point of these starting 11s is to see who would lose worse. Like <laughs> they're both just being snarky <laughs> asshole journalists here. Listen, just trying, like, yeah. we didn't have a good ten years. All right, we get it. I, I'm gonna give you know I'm gonna give uh, Peter Andrews the nod over Joe Tansy here because Peter Andrews included Gilberto uh, and Tony Stahl in his midfield. Tony Stahl who played one game for the Union <laughs> and Gilberto, Gilberto who played zero games for the Union. Oh, so that's. That is, I think we have uh, too much time difference. on our hands in the universe, honestly. Yeah, well, that's what happens when um, 
January 3rd <laughs> and we're in the off season and we're doing the first uh, and on the third day the, we uh, talked about the uni's worst of all time the worst <laughs> of all time yeah we like to have fun on the uh, on the podcast all right oh, yeah. we're, we're gonna do a regular recurring uh, segment on the podcast now this is oh. this one is a fan favorite it's called mean uh, crossing broad comments so we can hit the music now as my daughter screams in the background. All right, so this is in response to the uh, 17, this is like the hot stove column I wrote like a month ago, 17 random uh, off-season thoughts about your team, your town, your Philadelphia Union. Uh, this guy says, wow, that's great insight, said by no one ever who clicks on this stupid post about a stupid team in a fourth-tier league. Uh, Kevin's Little Feet says, I'm just here for the comments and trolling. Uh, Sal Lamy Salami says Bimbos really Ha ha uh, okay. Moving on then with one of my Favorite uh, crossing broad Commenters and when I say favorite I mean least favorite uh, The Colonel Says expert Why waste time on this wall of dribble The only people clicking On this trash are the ones coming to laugh At you for continuing to post about this niche sport that your audience continues not to care about. I guess I suppose one could find other reasons to read this just for the laughs, like the laughable description at the very bottom claiming that the Silly Soccer Podcast is Philadelphia's premier podcast. <laughs> so, of course, he, anyone said that. <laughs> now, he clicked on it, and uh, then he gave me a free page view. I guess what people don't understand is, like, these guys come in here and troll, and they say, nobody nobody likes soccer. Nobody but realistically, you're, they're helping you. Yeah, they, yeah we, get free, yeah. we get free page views off it. I know, these people are so stupid. <laughs> um, let me see here. We have... Uh, Oh, these are two positive comments here. So we do get positive comments. Oh, that's here. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Silver Ray for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Silver Ray. Silver Ray showing He's up. We played man. soccer with him at the uh, thing. Yeah. Jimmy the Greek. I don't know if we want to read this. <laughs> Jimmy the Greek says, we're the United States, the greatest country in the world. In 1979, in grade school, I was told that soccer and the metric system would be stalwarts in the future of our country. Zero for two. Soccer is nice, a cute thing for kids to do. They can't get hurt, and they learn to flop on the ground. Like they've been shot uh, to be carried off on a stretcher and then they return uh, to the game in five minutes. Why are we like this? And finally, um, third-rate blogger has thoughts on a third-rate team in a third-rate league playing a third-rate game. That is all. So that's the uh, that's mean crossing broad comments uh, for this episode of the podcast. Um, always a, a well. God bless to him. all you guys. People, this is what people do in their free time. You know what I mean? They they sit here and they troll. I wish I had time like we that. We get a lot of like a lot of these dudes are. Um, it's it's actually kind of it's funny because it's kind of pathetic. But like oh they, yeah, they they go on the site and they post um, like multiple times a day, or they they post like multiple um, responses to one story, but yeah. they just like keep changing their name. But when I'm looking at the when I'm looking at the like the uh, like the um, you know, in, in like WordPress, like the administrative page or whatever, mm -hmm. I can see all the other stuff. It, I can look at their IP address. It's like the same IP address, like five, <laughs> five times around. It's like a dude with like five, five different names. who's just being a, uh, being a jabroni here. So, um, with that being said, I don't think there's anything else I wanted to touch on before we get to the questions here. Uh, the, the schedule, just a quick note about the schedule, I guess. Um, it's tough to start, man, at Dallas, at LAFC. And then they got some games on the road, but it, it looks nice for them in the middle there. I think Tannenwald made the. It's, uh, it's Western Conference heavy to start off with, that's for sure. And I mean, if I, I'll ask you a question: If you were an athlete, NBA, MLS, whatever, mm -hmm. um, would you rather do it that way, like go get your get your stuff out of the way, or like get your LA flight out of the way, or yeah, like, get your yeah? I mean, flight? I'm like that in life in general. Like, you know, if if it's a pain in the butt, just get out the way. I'd rather make it smooth sailing to go to go forward, especially like. I mean, I don't know how this Eastern Conference is going to shake out this season, but I would rather have the easier games in the second half of the of the season. You know, if we're make, trying to make a playoff push, yeah. you know, it's like it's like the Eagles. Like you know, you, you want to end the season with the Giants, Redskins, Redskins Cowboys, and Cowboys, Giants. Giants. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, Tannenwell pointed out that you you they only have to go. What was his uh, statistic? Oh, they don't they don't leave the Eastern Time Zone for like the first or the last eight games yeah. of the season like after a certain month they don't leave them eastern the time traveling here and, I, and i've talked about it you know covering the flyers because they're they're looking like crap in the west coast right now 
he's traveling United States. Is five such to a, five to four last night, right? Yeah, yeah and that's that's a four that's a fourth game in a six game Western Conference. How is that? Po- I was thinking that because I was looking at the thing today, and I was I uh, Anthony San Filippo, our Flyers guy for the yeah. site, wrote that in a story, and I like was, had to double check it because I'm like, surely that's not correct there's a six game road trip that a team goes up but that's what they do in the nhl they do six straight games this is like my first year like covering it you know deeply and like i was shocked i saw it too the flyers in 10 western conference uh road games this year kevin yeah have only won one of them yeah that's not uh, that's not great man uh well let's hope they're playing it at home in the yeah and that's the thing they'll (laughs) be fine once they come back but it's rough that's tough man yeah i mean the sixers are the same way i mean that's that's where all this accountability crap all that came from (laughs) is the fact that they can't that they can't win on the road. All right, so let's let's do. Um, where are we right now? We're like forty five minutes. We like to do about an hour here. So uh, let's do um, uh, questions, comments, and concerns because we like to involve the people. We the people. It's a. Uh, this is a podcast for the people, and uh, if we didn't have listeners, there wouldn't be any point in doing it anyway. So, uh, Joe House at US Rover. He says, "How about a Mount Rushmore of all time fake?" or at least didn't happen, union off-season rumors. Um, and I've implored uh, union rumors to help, and they didn't respond. So I, shame on them. I mean, honestly, like, I'm not going to front here. I'm 25 years old. I only started following the union heavily, maybe like 2016, 2017. So I, I'd be bad for that one. Well, that's all right. That's that's when I lean on my uh, seven years of covering the team, if I can remember any of it. Uh, well, number one, Balotelli. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, shout out Union Hulk. He's still I, waiting. He's still waiting at the airport. Yeah, Union Hulk wants, yeah, is waiting at the airport for him. And, uh, well, I mean, seriously, like, uh, you know, with all the f- fucking stupid racism bullshit yeah. that happens in Serie A, and I don't, I don't know how that country continues to, like, get worse at it. Um, it's gotten it's gotten a really low point. But there would be, if, if there was ever a time for him to come over here, do it, man. Come over to the United States, man. We'll treat you well. You know, I you won't worry. you won't be bothered on the street. You can go do whatever the hell you want. Score some goals, I man. I don't get why not though. Like, especially like like why not go to New York, right? Like, it, there's a huge yeah. Italian population. I mean, I'd yeah. like him here. Um, they would welcome him in. You yeah, know? he would do well there. He'd do well in like uh, he would do great in Toronto, like just, like a Chicago. You like, know, I think like at some point, like you just gotta realize like Europe is done. Like you had your fun. You did what you did, but. So there's other opportunities. There's fun opportunities. I think uh, Javinko needs to get on the phone with him and say, "Man, I enjoyed my time yeah. over there. Go do it." Like, what else does he? Because where's Balotelli going from here? He's going from Milan to or Inter Milan well, to AC Milan to Manchester City yeah. to Nice to to Brescia. Apparently, before to, Brescia, there was a Brazilian team that was really close to signing him, but. He wanted the opportunity to play back home in Brescia, but yeah. of course, Brescia hasn't really worked out. No, I mean if that's his hometown and you're still getting the racist shit there, then it's like, well, yeah, it's like where where do you go from there? Like you went home and it didn't even work out. So come here, man. We'll take you. We would love to have you. We'll introduce you to Union Hulk. You know. Um, so that <laughs> you was wanna, one. I wanted to be introduced. Come on, Kev. So there was one. So there was. Uh, I, I don't remember. I think it was Rodolfo Zelaya was like rumored to be at a uh, Philadelphia Union training camp or okay. like trialing or something like that, and then it turned out the guy was not him at all. And it was a completely different dude. That one I remember off the top of my head. Like I think Chris Albright actually had to come out and say like this is this report is like incorrect or something. And they never, they never do that. So it must have been that egregious. Like somebody identified him wrong. Yeah, um, I wrote down Robert Perez. Robert Perez was a uh, was an interesting one. You wouldn't have remembered this. This was before your time. But uh, Robert Perez, the former Arsenal star, was linked to the Philadelphia Union in 2010 at the end of 2010. And uh, there was a quote that he provided to a magazine that said uh, it, th- that if he was going to come to the United States, he wanted to go to a, quote, beautiful city. And uh, oh, I guess boy. the insinuation is that Philadelphia was not beautiful. So we all took that um, about as we should show about as well about as well as expected. Yeah. <laughs> come up to uh, Thompson Street. I'll show you. <laughs> I'll show you Lesson Doreen's and uh, we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah. But he's he's a uh, French dude, I think, from Paris. So you know, it's okay. it's a little different. They have different tastes, you know. Uh, while we're stereotyping, <laughs> so uh, and then the other one I wrote down was uh, uh, Colbane Sigthorson. I think was like a name that popped up a while a while back. I don't know if I started that one or if somebody else started that one, but I think Ernie Stewart had him at Alkmaar, which is why the and he was like looking to go to a new team at the time. I, I might have just like thrown the name out there, just like hey, it would make sense because he he like knows him he knows who he is and mm-hmm. then somehow i i think that like kind of 
caught fire. It was the same with the Balotelli thing because I didn't report that they were going after Balotelli. I said they were looking at a player like that, and then uh, other people picked it up and it just like grew, um, grew legs and like t- took off on its own. You know? Gotcha. Uh, okay, Union Hulk. Union Hulk. Uh, checking in for the first time in 2020, and this is in all capital letters. That's it says. Good. Is it true that Don Garber offered Kevin Durant ownership in the Philadelphia Union? Like he forced Ernie to come here, even though Ernie hated us. Like a Colangelo thing? Is that what he's trying to say? <laughs> I think this is what he's suggesting. He says, also, whatever happened to the werewolf from Twilight, that guy that was fucking everywhere and then dis- disappeared. <laughs> and it's a it's a gif of uh, Taylor, uh, what's this guy's name? Taylor Lautner? Lau- Lau- Taylor Lautner. I was not a Twilight guy, I'm not going to lie to you. Well, me neither. Um, I'm 35, so. Um, <laughs> oh, it's a good call. I'll answer your second question first, Hulk. I don't know what happened to Taylor Lautner. He was uh, popular back in the day he's with. Uh, life, probably. Well, for a while there, him and uh, the other dude in the Twilight movie. Was it Jacob? No, it was Robert. Uh, well, um, he, that's I think that was his name in the movie, but I think it was gotcha. Robert um, Patterson. Robert Pat, Pat, Pattinson? Robert Pattinson <laughs> was the other guy, and then Kristen Stewart was in it. Um, no, he didn't. Uh, Don Garber didn't force Durant to do anything. Sorry. Um, Tallahassee Union says, with El Brujo filling Harris' spot, uh, can we expect the U to look different going forward? Uh, I.e., covering for Harris won't be a concern any longer. So yeah, let me let me address that first. Go ahead. Think of the way that the the fullbacks played last year. Ray Gaddis didn't do a lot of getting forward. Um, you know, Kai Wagner did a little bit more, but he kind of hung back a little bit. Alejandro Bedoya, you know, his responsibility was always or, sure. or Montero's responsibilities, you know, was always kind of sort of mm-hmm. to sit there and protect Madunian. And then I want you to think back to Keegan Rosenberry and how he played with Brian Carroll. In 2016, how he played in 2016, how he was able to get forward and Carroll would sort of cover for him because Carroll was more of your prototypical defensive midfielder. You know, I'm going to sit back and protect the backline shield kind of thing. And then when Keegan Rosenberry started having his trouble, it was when Madunian came in. And a lot of that was just because, like, yeah, you know, it was just two different kinds of styles that did not interface well with each other. They didn't complement mm-hmm. each other. So you think about Ray as a guy who kind of sits back. He's always been a defense first kind of guy first. He makes a lot more sense with Madunian. Um, Keegan Rosemary likes to get forward and attack. He made a lot more sense with Brian Carroll. So I'm kind of wondering what happens with the fullbacks because you're not going to have a need to like pull, uh, peel the fullbacks back and kind of sit there and have them as an extra layer of protection because you don't have – because now you're going to have a defensive midfield who actually defends. What happens when you, know? you have like a Seattle Sounders coming into town and, and parking the bus? You're going to need that width, no? Well, yeah, and so that's where – because you think if – I mean, you know, you watched a bunch of Madunian in last year and the year before and the year before that, how he would get high. He would, he would start to trend yeah. high up the field when yep. they felt comfortable in possession. He would quarterback the team from, like, a higher position. He would ping the ball left and right and stuff like that. They're not going to have that necessarily this year. So where does your extra oomph come from offensively? Uh, you know, you think that the fullbacks can get a little bit further with a little bit more – Abandoned because they don't have, they're not going to have the defensive responsibilities and transition that they had last year. Mm-hmm. So I think to answer the question, I think that's pro- that's probably where you're going to see uh, the biggest difference in sort of the responsibilities on the flanks, you know. And it's it's weird too because you're playing in a four four two diamond, which is narrow to begin with. Yeah. So you, you your your width is not necessarily coming from the shuttlers; it's coming from the fullbacks. Yeah. So you know how how do you assign those guys to it? You know, he's going to have a lot of space too to work with if he's going to be that six alone. He's he used is. to the four two three one with Zula, so this I think this I think this is going to be beneficial for him. He's going to enjoy this. I think. I think what they want to do, if I could provide like more of a clear picture, if you take a little bit of Real Salt Lake under Jason Christ, where they played four four two diamond, and Kyle Beckerman was the was well, they were the best the at six. it, right? They were the best. They were the best. Diamond, yeah, well, like, it's almost like ten years old at this point, but yeah, they were they were kind of the prototypical MLS team that kind of popularized the diamond and played it that way. But if you think about the style that the union played last year, but you swap out Madunian in for like a Beckerman kind of guy, um, that's probably and then and then you add pressing that that German press counter press win the ball back kind of philosophy. I'd say that they're probably going to the union next year. I think. Want to look like a mix of Real Salt Lake 2009, uh-huh. uh, Klopp's Liverpool and Dortmund teams, and what they what they do at, at Salzburg so and Leipzig and stuff as like that. Yeah. F German is F. Yeah, that's a long, that's a, the best way to put it. Yeah, Ger- they're gonna. That's Philadelphia Union. Maybe that could be the title of the podcast. German is F. I like that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> DJ Edwards has a couple. Um, if Ernst is able to bring Montero back, uh, is he most likely to be the team's second designated player? 
Um, yeah, yeah, we talked about that where we felt like yeah. he, would, he would have to have he would have to make more, uh, more money to justify it. Yeah, this team needs. Uh, no, no, last year we did have two DPS. Where you're right. Um, which number two? Which player would currently fetch the greatest return? I would say Shabilko. Right now. Yeah, Mark McKenzie maybe. You know, if he if he continues to play well, he's got more upside as a younger guy. Well, if Kai Wagner plays the way he did last year, I think his value is gonna. Keep growing. That's very true because he's young, also. Yeah, and he are he came from a year comes from a European background. Just, so he's just, got the, just play like a full season though. Like there was spurts last year where we he kind of got lost, but yeah, I think if he has another solid year, that's one guy you can probably look at to be sold. Um, and he says is Ernst the Billy Bean of MLS? Yeah, interestingly enough, like probably more so than Ernie, you know, because how he Roseman is <laughs> Ernie because Ernie had the, the Billy Bean connection and he knew him, and you oh. know they had him over at Alkmaar and. Uh, so we thought all the money ball signings were going to come from Ernie and they actually, and a couple of them came from Ernst instead. So, um, Yang gang banger oh, says, okay. um, number one, the union seemed to be running a tight ship in terms of rumors, uh, but still nothing about a right back. Yeah. I mean, I, I said that I would upgrade the, um, the right back position. I think everybody here knows that I'm not a huge Gaddis fan. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, like I said, I think he worked really well with Madunian because his skill set and the way he plays was just a really good match for that. Yeah, um, I think that's going to be different for this year. I think you're, I think if he's playing with a more traditional six, like like Martinez, if he plays yeah. a six, you're you're going to see the limitations in his offensive game a little bit more because there's not, like I said, there's not going to be that need yeah. for Ray to kind of kind of hang back and defend as much. Well, as I, I've said that I I would like to see a cheap option, maybe an American option to back up Ray, maybe push him a little bit. Um, I, I definitely think they need to address of the backup situation because you also don't know what's going to happen with Imbazio next year. Yeah, I mean, I That's think that was issue. a disappointment. Yeah, you could you could write that down as a disappointment from last year. You know, the fact that he was mentioned specifically in that preseason quote about, uh, you know, we we feel like we're okay trading Keegan. We have Imbazio back here. We have Ray. So, um, yeah, that's that's a under, kind of an underrated topic to to uh, look look at as as the season um, approaches. And his third question was. Uh, the second one was just a comment. Pretty optimistic about the Brujo signing. Dude has wheels, and he looks to be a good passer in transition. Yeah, it's very true. They do want to play more of a. They do want to play more of a transitional game, uh, if you think about because because I, I mean, the 2018-2019 unit we're, union we're we're kind of static. I mean, you get you get these moments at the top where you know Madunian will be quarterback and pinging the ball back and mm-hmm. forth. They'd be possessing the ball, but you know you didn't get a lot of penetration at times. There wasn't a lot of like. Uh, counterattacking, like an incisive kind of uh, linear direct running until El Senio got in the game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you have a, a midfielder who can do more in space, you know, you're going to see more counter press. You're going to see more counterattack kind of stuff. So I think they're going to be built. Yeah, that's a good point. They're going to be built differently. Um, his third question was, of the anonymous source uh, submissions last year uh, that were made to you, how many came true? So I had to, this is a good question. So I had to go back and look up the story that I wrote this in. It was the uh, anonymous union source provides accurate information. And uh, I discovered that one year later, the anonymous union source got five of six things correct. Uh, so they gave me six pieces of information over two different submissions via email or DM or whatever you want to imagine. And uh, number, the first thing they said was that Bethlehem Steel will leave Lehigh. Check. Uh, the second thing they said is that Curtin will be the coach in 2019. Check. The third thing that they said was that Ernst Tanner wants to get away from the 4-2-3-1 and play 4-4-2. Check. <laughs> um, the fourth thing that they said was that um, that he wasn't really high on David Akam, CJ Sapong, and Harris Madunian. And they traded Akam, they traded Sapong, and then Harris, I guess they didn't yeah. even talk to him. Um the fifth thing that they said that the source said was that uh, Ernst highly rates Brendan Aronson. So that was true. Um, and the one thing that they were kind of off on was that they he said that they were he, she, whoever they were, I still don't know who they are, um, said that they were prioritizing like a DP striker. And that's where the ballot, stupid Balotelli thing came in because I said like Balotelli and then everybody took took that out of. Yeah, they gained a lot of traction what? last summer, that rumor, the ball. Rumor. The ballot, yeah, yeah. Um, so what else do I have here? Um, John Nagy says, how concerned should fans be about Cashbury reverting to the mean and goals in 2020? You think we see a of um, a regression to the norm from Shabilka? 
Well, obviously, injuries is a concern, right? You know, he came in injured. He ended the season last year injured. But I definitely think if he's oh, he's 100% fit, I think we'll see the same from Casper Shabilko. It's it's just it's just health, really all I'm concerned about with Casper. I, I think he's the real deal. I'm interested in seeing how the midfield dynamic changes it too because I think – and I, I'm, again, I didn't want people to think that I was being critical of Casper. I think it was more of a – my take was more about, I think, playing in front of Madunian and Bedoya and – Montero and Aronson and Fabian. Like mm-hmm. I feel like a, I feel like most strikers could probably could probably score fifteen goals. It wasn't an anti, it wasn't an anti Shabilko take. It was just that I thought the midfield was that good, you know. So, yeah. um, Mitch says thoughts on the leaked home jersey. Did you see this, the black one? Yeah. Um, you like it? I so that's the trend that's going on around the the league, right? Enter drop theirs. They seem to have the three stripes on the like shoulder. Like the Adidas three stripes yeah. on the right shoulder. Yeah. I mean, Kev, honestly, I've talked about this before. I don't understand why we have to be American when it comes to the, the whole kit situation. I'm ready for MLS teams getting whatever manufacturers they want. If you want Nike, get Nike. If you want Adidas, get Adidas. And just let them let them make out their own deals. Like I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it, honestly. It looks like, I, th- I forget who it was, um, on Twitter put up, there was a 2018 military appreciation jersey that the union that came. looked really similar to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it to me looks like a, a training jer- uh, shirt, but yeah, I'm, it I does think, kind of look like a training top. Yeah, doesn't it? yeah, yeah. At the at the end of the day, I would like to see the MLS get rid of the whole Adidas uh, contract thing and let teams pick who whatever manufacturer they want. You think it just uh, the uniforms in MLS right now are a little too homogenized? Yeah, they're all the same too. In all honesty. Yeah, yeah. If we get another like plain white that just looks like boring, like you'd like to see some, uh, just some like creativity into yeah. it, you know? Yeah. That's... Bring bring back the the baby blue. Let's bring back the gold. Like, let's get creative. But that the the Adidas thing, I feel like restricts that. Uh, Trey Hoffner, I'm gonna rip through the rest of these really quick because so... we're about an hour right now. Uh, do you think the union ceiling is tied to the progress and the production of Brendan Aronson? No. I mean, I think that goes back to whether we think he's gonna be like the ten going forward. You know, I mean, if if uh, we don't know if if they're going to go for another guy in that spot or if they're going to give the keys to him. Well, all eyes are on that, really, honestly. That's probably still... the biggest. Would you say that's the biggest? Probably fair to say that's the number one or two biggest question mark right now. With just the, the youth academy in general. like, yeah. well, well, Just because we haven't sold one for like what we thought we would do. Like sell them to Europe for a nice little fee. We haven't done that yet. But Brandon, obviously, yeah. if, especially if you're not going to get a number 10, yeah, you're gonna expect him to step it up and and take that next progression in his career. So Jared asked this, and this is a good point because I thought this was interesting the way that they worded it in the uh, Martinez in the um, press release or the, one of the stories they wrote about him. But the union kind of said that they, uh, or you know, he might need some time to uh, adapt or assimilate or something like that. I thought that was kind of a strange thing for them to say in, a, in a, on the official team site. I was trying to read between the lines there and think if there's anything to it, but. Uh, Jared says, assuming they get the transfer from Montero completed, uh, rumored currently, do you think they're done making moves or do they need a six that they can rely on since Tanner seemed to suggest that Martinez could be a work in progress? Well, yeah, a lot of people were thinking that too because um, his value on like transfer market, like a week before the, the deal was official, they had it at like 100000 and then it just skyrocketed it to like 400000 Oh, okay. So that was another thing too. But, I mean, just talking to Juper, um, down in Venezuela, no, Jose Andres is going to start. I don't think he'll have a big transition, in my opinion. I think he's going to be the real deal when it comes down to it. Um, five more here, so let's rip through them. Uh, thoughts on the Union qualifying for the League's Cup or whatever it's called? Uh, do you think it's worth it? Do you know much about it? And this w- is this is like the um, you know the exhibition games they play against the League MX teams. You know, I want no parts of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't I really see no the. I don't see the benefit either. Um, Union Player of the Decade is it? Uh, this is from Mitch Dandenack. Uh, is this uh, Latou or Bedoya for Union Player of the Decade? Latou has the stats and the nostalgic appeal, but we've had more success during the Bedoya years. Wow, that's tough. Holy crap. It's hard to – well, I mean, it's easy because you can. I can drop 50 goals and 50 assists for Latou, and it's just hard to kind of, like, uh, quantify. It's hard to package what Bedoya has right. done in, like, a, a nice 
statistic to, to make set a the tone. Yeah. Like this was the first big player we had and he set the tone for, you know, union players to come. Yeah. He's the only guy on the, on the wall of fame or the ring of honor or whatever the hell they call it. I mean, I got to go with Latou for yeah, that. Yeah, I got to go on boy Latou. Dr. Strange dupe says, uh, was it better off that the union didn't qualify for the champions league because they're still figuring out the signings. I would mm-hmm. say, I would say no, that no. doesn't matter because even, even teams that are, that did qualify for the champions league still haven't, haven't, you, you want don't that, have coaches. You, you know? want that taste. You want to taste what it's like to be in Champions League, I yeah. wanted the Union to be in there. But I would have loved that. Man. Could you could you imagine like uh, Philadelphia Union versus like friggin' like Monterey or like Saprissa at uh, Talon Energy Stadium in February? It'd be awesome. Or even seeing the them in Central America would be awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Philadelphia Union like playing uh, at ten o'clock at night on some like shitty and unreliable it's stream. Like humid as crap. The humid you see flies <laughs> all over the pitch. Like there's yeah, like chunks of the field. Coming that sounds out. awesome. <laughs> I know it's like like you finally made it in Concacaf, you know. Uh, Kevin says, still no word on the CBA. Uh, is that good or bad? Oh, Does God. Garber's letter to the fans carry any weight? Um, I don't want, I've seen an NBA, NHL, NFL lockout in my lifetime. I don't need to see an MLS lockout. I think the players should strike or should at least be serious about it. 100, uh, f- 100%. Because they just uh, – the, the league has grown uh, at a at – a, at a, um, that's the word I'm looking for. The, the ratio of growth to the league to the ratio of um, – did you know that I do this? I make gestures to myself when I'm doing the podcast. Kind of <laughs> help gotta. help make my points. I'm like yeah, throwing both hands out here. The 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 percentage of or the ratio of how much the league has grown versus what the players have got as the league has grown is not is not yeah. equal. Um, you know they should have full free agency by now. They oh, yeah. should have some semblance of you know half of the season is is, is uh, char- charter flights or something like that. You that's, know that's the key one. Uh, if, if you're not going to get higher salaries, bring the bring the floor up again. You know, and I, I don't think they went. I think they got some nice things last time around. They got the partial free agency, and they got some more money and stuff like that. But I think I think they can get more. Like, I really think they can get more. And, and you have a great bargaining chip when Miami's coming in the league, Nashville's coming in the league. They've got uh, decent TV contracts that they don't want to jeopardize. I mean, you could really, really, really squeeze Don Garber in the league and say, we're going to hold Miami and Nashville's expansion seasons for ransom. Until we get what we want, you know, and you if you really if you really believe in that and you really believe in what you want, then you got to be a hard ass about it. And you're also doing for you forgot Charlotte. There's there's one well, hearing and they're it's supposed in. to be like Atlanta 2.0. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you there's there's just a lot of uh, I mean, what's a metaphor I can use? They they, they just have a lot of uh, the players have more bullets in the chamber. It's kind of violent to think about, but they have more. They have more. They <laughs> have more. Approve. They have more ammunition. In when they come to the, they're bringing more to the bargaining table than than MLS, you know. So I feel yeah. like they're in a good, they're in a position of strength uh, in negotiation. Okay, here's the last one: Big Mac Delaware, a, uh, a loyal listener to the podcast. Uh, he said, "Did you make the announcement that you hinted at?" No, and I'm I'm sorry. I hope to have the announcement for you tonight, but I can tell you that I'm working on something for the home opener. Um, that will be in Chester. Uh, the Larimer will be involved. Um, I have to talk to one person to kind of iron out the details, but, uh, I want to do kind of, uh, uh, how would I say? I, I wanted to do another live podcast there, but I wanted to try to make it bigger and better and add something to it. So we're currently talking about, uh, an, an idea that would make something like that bigger and better. Uh, and I think if we can land it, I think everybody will like it. How's that? Is that fair? Did I like give people enough to work with? There? I'm really excited, and I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, good. Well, then that's <laughs> that's what we're looking for. John Zapata, El Parcero Philly. Uh, tell the people where they can find you on Twitter yeah, and YouTube. Yeah, and all stuff. yeah, guys, definitely check me out. You know, for all things Philly sports, soccer, Colombia. <laughs> find me on Twitter at El Parcero Philly. You can also find me on Instagram at L underscore Parcero underscore Philly. And I, you can find all my content on YouTube as well. Same thing, El Parcero Philly. But Kevin, seriously, thank you so much for this. No, man, thanks for coming over. I love love getting people in here in the studio because it just makes for a better podcast anyway. So uh, one quick programming announcement for me. Uh, If you didn't know by now, we're doing crossing broadcast on the radio now. So we still put the podcast up all the time. Uh, But if you want to hear me talk about the Sixers and the Eagles and the Phillies and the Flyers and all the other teams, the uh, quote-unquote four-for-four teams no, no, no. Uh, we are five for five baby five for five That's uh right. the, well those we do the one we do the union here i do the other four sports there we're on uh 6 10 espn uh at six o'clock every monday and then we take the podcast and we put it 
we put it up there. But if you want to uh, listen to the uh, the other sports, my Carson Wentz takes and stuff like that, you can hear that live on the radio now. So we're doing that. Great a little takes, bit. by the way, on that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so we're doing that on there, and uh, yeah, it's good to get the podcast going again. We will. Um, I'll probably record another one of these when the union make another signing. But I just had some off season stuff I wanted to do. Wanted to get you in here. Thanks for coming in. Episode ninety seven. Remember, everybody in twenty twenty, it's always soccer in Philadelphia. Do baby. <laughs>